this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential and welcome back. Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief at Awards Watch, or should I say bonjour? Bonjour, Christina. <laughs> so can you believe that after these 18 months or whatever it was, it feels like festival season is like crashing on us? It's starting. It's kind of feeling like that, you know, although I'm, I'm always waiting for another shoe to drop in case you know europe just falls into a <laughs> a giant covid black hole so today we're going to talk about can the films the surprises the snubs the netflix of it all so it's the 74th can film festival that's going starting in july 6th um and eric i'd start i thought we'd start with the frenchest of the french and that's the fast and the furious part neuf <laughs> The planetary blockbuster that Fermo announced with such great pomp and circumstance. What is this? Part Neuve, I really like that. Yeah, it's it's really funny because I mean it's it's a film that's already screened for some critics, at least over here, and it's already been released internationally. So it was not really on a lot of people's, you know, short list of what this planetary blockbuster was going to be. Uh, so it seems a little weird, but you know, the out of competition and special screenings and opening night things that can have, have often had a, a, a weird flavor or, or tinge to them that doesn't feel very can. Do you really think that this would have been part of can in another year, the Fast and the Furious franchise? No, uh-uh. Everybody wanted or half expected it to be Dune, but I mean, it, that's going to be a Venice title. In general, what did you feel about the Cannes announcement this year? Well, speaking of French, it's a pretty Frenchy French lineup. It's it's fine, you know. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Your enthusiasm is just. It's it's fine, I guess. I'm not super. I'm not super excited about it, honestly. There's there are things that uh that are obviously really exciting, Annette Benedetta, um, a hero, which is something I'm absolutely keeping my eye on, because my early best director predictions uh, have Asghar Farhadi in it, and I was like, all I need is to make sure that it has an appearance in competition at Cannes, and I will lock it in, and here it is. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, Oscar Farhardy is one. He's been Oscar nominated and won a few times, right? But he's only been officially nominated for screenplay because the the film wins for international feature film or foreign language film at the time still don't go to the director. They do officially go to the country, 
even though the director gets their name on it. It's a, it's still such a weird gray area, but officially directors are not Oscar winners for foreign language film or international feature film. What was the screenplay? Uh, separation. Um, and again, there are, there are good titles here. Sean Baker's Red Rocket. Um, Justin Kurtzel, I think is really <clears throat> going to be an interesting choice. A Peach Pong, Tai Joe, Memoria with Tilda Swinton. I'm, I'm really excited for that. I mean, the French Dispatches, we knew that was going to be there. Uh, the Sean Penn, we kind of knew was going to be there at least a couple of weeks ahead. Mia Hansen Love. I mean, there's still only four female directors of 24 in competition titles, and they kind of acted like it was a big deal. And I'm like, whatever, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't pat yourself on the back so soon. Let's take a look at some of these movies that you mentioned a bit more in detail, just a few of them. You mentioned Annette, which is Leo Carax. That's the opening film. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a musical from the Sparks Brothers, who are going to have a pretty banner year because they also have the Edgar Wright documentary, documentary on them. I think that premiered at Sundance to extremely good reviews. It's coming out from Focus Features this summer. I really liked it. And I'm not someone who knows a lot about the Sparks. So that was like my, I mean, I know, know of them, but that was a big introduction for me. Exactly. And it was, I think, for a lot of people. And the timing's going to be great because the documentary is a summer release. And then Annette is in the fall. Well, late summer, early fall. So I, I think, uh, I think the, people will be able to kind of make that connection. But it's Adam Driver and uh, Marianne Cotillard. And, you know, I, I just think it looks pretty cool and fun and weird. Beautiful and, poster. Yeah, the poster's gorgeous, gorgeous. But yeah, I, I don't expect it to be anything other than kind of magical and fun and cool and offbeat and weird. How would it not be? Okay, what about the sexy nun, Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> Bendetta? <laughs> Who, who, who does not want a sexy lesbian nun from Paul Verhoeven? I certainly do. I do. <laughs> yes. And IFC Films got bought it up, you know, ahead of You were of like, Can. oh, I want to see the fancy Tilda Swinton one. I'm like, crazy, sexy lesbian nun. Let's go. Hey, no, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven fan. So um, I, I, I'm really, really excited for this. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, again, I it's <laughs> IFC films or not, which is wonderful. I love them. Uh, I, I I don't see a, a, a much of a place for this outside of, you know, being a kind of a <clears throat> a big cinephile favorite. You don't see this one getting Oscar, but hey, you know, I hope so. We might be in a totally different era of the Oscars, so but I won't I'll, I won't count anything out. How about that? Uh -huh. It's going to be super interesting to see Paul Verhoeven back. Mm -hmm. And then we have Sean Baker, which I'm so looking forward to. His first movie after Florida Project, which I loved. Um, Red Rocket, I know nothing about it, except for that it's a real story of a porn star. Well, it, not exactly. Simon Rex is in it, and he was kind of this MTV star back in the, I guess, 90s or, or 2000s. Uh, and then, you know, released some 
very naked photos and videos and it kind of derailed him a little bit which is stupid but it did uh and so this is going to be his career yeah yeah i mean as as much as as it was what it was i think there's gonna be a lot of interest in it some of it's going to be a little gossipy isn't the right word but a little voyeuristic i think maybe uh to see what what this is and but I'm sorry, it's a narrative film, not a It is, it is. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I don't really know much about it either. So I'm 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 super curious. And I really love Sean Baker. So Me I... too. And someone we do know is Sean Penn. Um, is he <laughs> sort of back doing not documentary style political or sort of Colombian drug lords or whatever he's been doing for a while? I, I think it's gonna be a little bit of all of that. I mean, the last face was just an absolute disaster they love him though and that is can to a t that uh, was his last movie that yeah oh, okay <laughs> they love who they love and there is nothing that will ever get in the way of it uh so you will always see uh you know the the nanny moretti's and uh just kind of the same people over and over again if they have a film um so unless you cross them then you won't be back i guess so i guess so uh we probably won't see you know many more Lars von trier movies but still um i don't really know much about flag day sean penn's film i'm not super excited about it either because i don't think he is a very good filmmaker anymore he has made some good films but that was been a while (laughs) it was really in his when he before he really shifted focus to uh political and philanthropic and humanitarian stuff which a lot of that is incredibly great and i would never you know shade or discount it at all but it kind of like turned a corner and it just seems weird now i don't know interesting to see what happens with that one and then you mentioned of course the french dispatch which has been mentioned and mentioned we've talked about that you and i for a year and a half but i'm i'm really looking forward to wes anderson's new movie as i always do so i'm i'm hoping that that's going to be the trailer looks really good timothy chalamet and a whole host of of people any early buzz or not not really i mean this and this is you know this was supposed to be at Cannes last year if 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 everything had happened normally and no pandemic this would have been uh, a, a premiere last year so it's kind of been just sitting around and you know luckily it's a wes anderson movie so it doesn't have to exist in any timely fashion because it exists in a sort of timeless fantasy wes anderson's world <laughs> yeah it's in the it's in the the wes anderson universe so yeah. yeah. And here's one I'm really looking forward to, and that's Mia Hansen Loves Bergman Island, which stars Tim Roth, Vicky Crepes. Um, it's about an American filmmaker couple who travel to Fora, Bergman's Island, where they're both, I guess, writing their features. And the thing that I think could be really interesting about this is that Mia Hansen Love was either married to or together for many years with Olivier Assayas who behind personal shopper if you've seen that's interesting yeah. if that you know if this is sort of a marriage story type 
personal. I don't know story how it's not. Yeah. I don't know how it. I don't know how it's not going to be. And I think that's. Uh, I think that's one of the most alluring things about it, besides you know the fact that that Vicky Krebs needs to be in like more more movies all the damn time. I'm I'm always so mad that that Phantom Thread didn't like explode her into you know a list territory because she's just so fantastic she's, the best. she's in a few this year though right yes yes she is i i just want her in more like high profile stuff <laughs> for more people to see but i this i'm really excited for this we talked about a hero which i thought was really interesting these are in competition right the ones yeah these everything we're talking about so far are in competition films yeah talking about since we were sort of in Swedish territory not that that not mm-hmm. Bergman's not a Swedish film but uh, <laughs> um it, I thought Ruben Östlund's new movie would was gonna be at Cannes you predicted that or thought it would be right yeah 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 maybe the um maybe Venice is gonna scoop it up it's it's also weird too because Berlin is so late this year it's mm-hmm. June uh in in a normal year we would have already had it by now and it's only going to be a month before Cannes, so it's very, it's a, a weird year. Yeah, you can't predict that. It's just that Ruben Östlund felt like he was one of those ones, as you mentioned, that they really love. Yes. Um, and they even gave him time last time to re-edit the end of, of the square and just really get in there and everything. So so either it's not done or... or... I, I have to imagine that, that it's not done because we've got 24 titles uh, and as we know, there will be more coming. And I believe from what I read today that there are there are more coming today. And I, oh, I was in checking competition? Possibly, yes. I was I was hoping that they were gonna get announced before we, we started. I'm kind of keep I keep looking, but but yeah, there there should be some new announcements today. The Fast and Furious Part Ten. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take it out and put it in competition instead. There's a few can premieres outside of competition that were that became big news that I thought were interesting, and it's a couple of documentaries. One is the Val Kilmer documentary, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Oliver Stone's JFK revisited because he's never done that before. This is mm-hmm. a new topic for him. Another four <laughs> four hour JFK. And then Andrea Arnold's cow. Honestly, and this is a brand new section this year, this can premieres. Uh, this is the most exciting group. Right? It's fantastic. Andrea Arnold, uh, Cornel Mandrusco, Matteo Amrik, um, Hong Sang Su, Eva Husson. This is a really, really fantastic selection um that i think charlotte gainsburg oh my god i mean there's like yeah, i charlotte think in gainsburg, a, a movie about her mom jane yes charlotte that sounds like ooh, i'd run to and see her her directorial debut i think almost anything in this section could easily have been in in competition in in the regular section now what's the reason for that not putting him there let me all right, so from this added this new section called Can Premiere, designed to give returning Can favorites and auteurs a place to screen new work outside oh, of competition. And then he describes it as films that could have been part of the official competition. We didn't want them to screen anywhere else. And that's, you know, a lot of that is um, 
you know, the, the same thing we see every year with all of the heads of the festival that are sword fighting with each other about who gets to premiere what movies. So this was created really, I mean, it's a big cheat, to be honest. It's a yes. really big cheat because you, if you wanted to put them in, in competition, then you would have. But no, you created an entirely new section just to have them so that other people couldn't. And that's just shady as hell. He just is cock blocking those movies. Everybody. I'll, yeah, Barbara must be just like, fuck you, Terry. <laughs> that, that, I see the best reality show ever. Can you imagine? I, I would I would love that actually to see like yeah Cameron Bailey and and, and Alberto Barbera and, and Terry Fumio just like in a house that together. is mine. <laughs> yeah, I want to see like a Big Brother house of those three just like fighting over who gets in. But this yeah this this section this section's awesome. I think this is the most exciting section of the entire festival. The fact that there's a Val Kilmer documentary and lots of Val Kilmer, there was just a while back an incredible um, Val Kilmer article, and I think it was in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. What do you make of his resurgence? Um, I'm pretty excited about it. It is 40 years of his own, you know, video and, and documenting of his own life. I think there's probably a lot of people who, you know, don't really know what's going on with him or his cancer or why he looks the way he looks now. And with the new Top Gun coming out, that's which was you know supposed to be last year. Uh, again, the timing is going to be really great, I guess, is the word I could use for it um, to give him that sort of resurgence. But I'm I'm really interested in this movie, too. It's, mm -hmm. I hope it's touching and I hope that it's, you know, dramatic and not sappy. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm glad that it's here. Judging from the, the interview he gave, he seems to be very honest and not holding anything back and, and not at all sappy. So if he's doing the same thing with this movie, because I know that the two filmmakers are old friends of his. So of course it could be very... Maybe, but I think that he's not holding anything back, so that'll be interesting to see. He was not yeah, the I, most well liked person in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's why it might it could be really interesting in, in and not like some kind of strange revisionist thing, but extremely honest. I would love that. I hope it's that. I hope it's that too. So, um, someone who will not be cock blocked is Ted Sarandos. <laughs> Tell me about the whole Netflix thing. You know, I got to say, Primu's comment was so, so shady about, about Netflix that they acted like, oh, yes, of course you can play here, Netflix, but you're going to be out of competition. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, he, he acted like he was being like really benevolent and and you know giving them yeah please please you know bow to me at the bottom of the stairs of the Cannes Film Festival I I just thought that was his phrasing was just really uh shady <laughs> yes so of course they're gonna say no 
Yeah, the, what they offered Netflix was you can come here with your movies, but you won't be in competition because the rule is, the French government rule is that to be in competition, you have to be screened theatrically in France. And uh, Ted Surrender says, no, no. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that is way above the festival. Uh, so there's there isn't really much that the festival could do anyway. Uh, so screening out a competition is the only and best option, but you know, that would never be enough for, for Sarandis. I'm not sure if this is an impasse that can be overcome really, because somebody has to budge either the French government has to budge on that rule or Netflix has to budge on its three year rule. Look like they're budging. No, they're not. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, from my perspective, I think three years is, is pretty crazy. I, it's wild and strange uh, that it's that that's the case. But also, too, I mean, Netflix handles international distribution of films that have domestic U.S. release with entirely different studios. Mm -hmm. So these these relationships are are weird and different. Like News of the World last year was a universal release in the United States and a Netflix release internationally. But when it's something that's produced by Netflix and has a U.S. release and international release, those rules seem to be very different. And the release strategy is very different. I'm not really sure why. I don't know why they do that. They seem to really be chasing Oscars at Netflix. And now with these three years of history that we have with them saying no to Cannes. Can you make anything out of that? Would they have needed Cannes or is it? I don't think they need Cannes because they, ha they have Venice Telluride in Toronto uh, and they pick up things from Venice all the time. They picked up pieces of a woman last year and, right. you know, got Vanessa Kirby, her Oscar nomination. And, you know, I expect more pickups this year, even though they have, you know, 20 titles to, to comb through just like they <laughs> they do again it, they're they're running themselves into the exact same wall that they have where they're going to have too many contenders and they're going to think that they have the two that are the main pushes you know they're going to try and force force that in rather than let let their films awards trajectory happen more organically because it does does that mean that one of the movies that I've most wait, been waiting for, Blonde, the Marilyn Joyce Kellogg's movie, will be in Venice? I would not be surprised. I think I think it makes the most sense. Uh, it would give, you know, Ana de Armas this total Lady Gaga stars born moment uh, because that was, for most people, the most memorable, memorable part of the 2018 Venice Film Festival, seeing her glide in on that boat on the, through the canal yeah. <laughs> and then on the red carpet when it was raining. I mean, you just don't get more iconic than that. And Ana de Armas can absolutely have moments like that. So I would be surprised if it did not appear there. But that could have been a con moment, too. You know, now it's Netflix, so it won't be. But yeah. I'm just saying that, that, yeah. that that's probably something missed out on. <laughs> it it feels like it 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 would be a, a, a can film because 
everything that I've heard, and I've obviously read the book too, uh, it's, this is not in any way a traditional biopic. It's going to be really, really weird. And that's perfect for an international film festival. Uh, So I I I think it would have made a whole lot of sense at Cannes had it been. And I think if it was a different studio, it would be. Another one I missed I thought may be coming is Pablo Lorraine's Spencer about Diana. I think that's a a dead set Venice title though too. Yeah, just like Jackie. They're getting both Diana and Marilyn at Venice. That'll be a fun Volpe Cup competition between those two. Very interesting. And in our little reality show with uh, Barbiera and all these sort of fighting over this. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Someone needs to just write that as a feature. Yeah. Forget I'll the reality. My, Let's just write I'll the get feature. get my husband on that. <laughs> exactly. I think that the the thing that I, of all the the Netflix titles that, that I would be missing the most out of this would be the Jane Campion, uh, right. Power of the Dog. Not now only- that's someone Khan loves. Absolutely. She was the first and still only female director to win the Palm ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst is, you know, an actress winner. I just, I I think, again, if it was a different studio that did not have the obstacles that Netflix does, it absolutely would have been in competition. No question. This is a big deal for both parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this situation that they're in. Every year we see sort of what they're missing out on and how, and, and maybe not Netflix as much as can, but uh, it's very interesting to see how this will play out. This is, this is going to happen when you have personalities as big as, as these two guys are. And obviously individuals aren't necessarily the the monolith of entire, you know, companies or entire festivals, but they are the figureheads. So it is easy to kind of point to that. They are both huge personalities that do not want to bend uh, ever. And that's why it feels like it's an impasse because the moment that one of them does bend, they think that the floodgates are open and then it's, you know, the war is over. And the war is, is, is part of the fun, I think, from a very outside perspective. But I don't think it's doing anyone any favors. And that's always been the issue for me with how festivals fight internally with what gets to premiere and what gets to not show elsewhere. This does not benefit the audience. It does not benefit film goers at all. It only benefits the egos of the people that are making the decisions. Well, let's see what happens with that. Okay, before we wrap up, anything else here that that I've missed that... um... Because we do have other sections, Director's Fortnight and and Critics Week. I think the big big news out of Director's Fortnight obviously was Johanna Hogg's Souvenir Part 2 making its appearance very uh, anticipated. So I think that's going to be one of the really big titles. And they are doing a special screening of the first souvenir uh, in conjunction with that. So I think that is, that's a pretty, you know, high profile and, and something that people are going to be looking out for. Um, let's see, look at Critics Week. Frenchy, Frenchy, French, French. Woo! <laughs> Goodness. 
Freddie Frenchie. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I, I do not say that to be, you know, uh, xenophobic or mean or anything like that at all. Just to, to echo what I was saying earlier that I think a lot of this is because the lack of uh, security with, with travel and people just not knowing what it was going to be. And so it's, that's what we're seeing. I think we should have jury announcements pretty soon. Spike Lee is head of the jury, right? He is. That we know. And we know that Jodie Foster is going to be honored at the opening ceremony, sort of career honor. Yes. And yes. then the rest of the jury will wait and see. I love, <laughs> I love the um, jury lineups. I just, I desperately want to be a, a fly in the room of, of those deliberations. I remember of our movie. It is. So I remember um, the first year that I went to the festival in 2013. uh, And that was Spielberg as the head of the jury. The seating that I had, because I had a very good friend and we got, you know, amazing passes and all that. We were seated in the row one over from where the jury sat for all their screenings. So I spent a great deal of my time analyzing the responses to the jury watching stuff. Uh, and it was absolutely thrilling. It was wonderful. I, I was watching Nicole Kidman and Christoph Waltz constantly, you know, go- chattering back and forth because they always sat together in, in their row. They were always next to each other uh, and spent a great deal of time uh, talking with each other. And oh, it was I, absolutely just an unforgettable experience being able to, to feel just a little bit inside on, on what was going on. <laughs> and what movie did win Palm Dole? Blue is the warmest color. That was, that was that. No, no, that was, that was later. That was, that was later. That was, um, uh, oh my God, I'm getting my years mixed up. 2013 was Tim Burton and it was Uncle Boomy. 2018, I went to, oh my God, where's my brain? I went 2013, 2014, and 2018. So that was the year blue is the warmest color with Steven Spielberg as the as the jury president. That's an experience, but will you not going this year? I am not. I have I have somebody that's been going for me that's already over across the pond. And uh I, you know, I'd love to, but as an American on the West Coast, the expense is so enormous. Yeah. There's, it's just enormous. There'll be more years, Eric. And, and we'll, yes. we have more festivals. We have to convene again to talk about, especially when Venice comes and, <laughs> and what their fights turned out to be. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, September's going to be a lot of fun because we'll have Venice, Telluride, and, and Toronto oh, God, all really close fact. together. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much again. Yes, thank you. This is fun. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.